Welcome from across all points of time to your Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me from the future is TVA pencil pushing Pete. How's life, Variant? Again, faster. The Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 206, Glorious Purpose, is brought to you by Monkey Sea Dew. It'll get your kids off your case. Pete, that's only the hundredth time we've recorded that. Thank goodness we edited out the first 99 attempts. And Pete, before we dive into more Loki, let's talk about tomorrow in the future, or for some people in the past. We will be talking Lower Decks Season 4, wrapping up that season on Star Trek Sunday. Yes, can't wait to discuss the past, the future there. But Matt, they've done it. The longest actors strike ever is over particularly on the heels of the studios having delivered their best last and final offer which then immediately was being discussed by the studios how to modify that and so forth but indeed it's over some particular starting to dribble out you know the process is the negotiating committee gets something they're happy with and they send it on to the national board before it gets sent to general membership so Probably more particulars coming out soon, but certainly the idea of pay raise, of a shored-up healthcare system, protections against AI, uh, more money for background performers and things of that sort, seems like many positives there. But of course, that deal was reached the day after the Marvel's Las Vegas premiere, at which Kevin Feige announced his Star Wars script is dead. Pete, this is Feige's bad week in the shadow of Fury's big week. Okay, as you mentioned, Feige Star Wars dead. Uh the Marvel's box office numbers terrible. Uh we will discuss our enjoyment of that film on Marvel Monday. Uh but this a rough week, you know, where where Loki has fallen in that spectrum. Uh, of of good versus bad uh, to to be determined as we make our way through this podcast, but certainly uh, not a great week for old Kevin Feige, who once upon a time flew so high. Talking the future again, Matt heard this week what I had previously heard. What if? Indeed, what if the animated series? Th- the weird thing is, and this is something you pointed out last night. Um, there's been no promotion for it, even including the Disney Plus, you know, here's what's coming in December for the holidays. Uh, so I'd like to, to propose, Pete, um, in, in the spirit of the holidays, a uh, if not a splitting of the baby, then, then a, a, a bevy of options here. What if there is the what if holiday episode that comes out as a present to us all? in late December, separate from the rest of the season, second season arriving. I worry that it could be a little confusing for the audience, but given that that's a common complaint right now with the MCU, uh, yeah, I guess uh, it'll be something that we will see if it unfolds. Uh, Much like Matt, we have our date now for the Echo series dropping all at once in January and our Patreon poll free to all remains up 
taking in your input on how we will podcast that for the next week. And Pete, on the one hand, it's like, oh, Echo is so far off, man. It's like on the other side of the holidays and so forth. Echo uh, coming out two months as of yesterday, and we all know this stretch from early to mid-November to the beginning of January goes by so quickly. So, yeah, week left on that poll, free to all on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. And uh, I think... Pete, right now, leaning towards uh, a different kind of podcast for how we can cover Echo. Yes, but in the meantime, Matt, after this discussion, we will have a Loki wrap next Saturday. Marvel Studios Saturday lasts for a little bit, November 18th. Let's look into the glorious purpose of this episode, also called Glorious Purpose, after the pilot of the series called Glorious Purpose, where a reverse Marvel Studios card gives way to temporal radiation continuing to batter the TVA, as OB explains to Victor Timely what he must do to stop the loom from melting down. Loki time slips into himself, announcing he's back, and watches uh, as Timely turns to spaghetti again. Loki asks OB what they could have done differently, and he says they took too long. Over Walter Murphy's A Fifth of Beethoven, Loki quickly gives directions to Timely to go faster this time, which Mobius picks up on a couple times, but still spaghetti. Then again, not faster, earlier. Loki arrives at the war room and tells Miss Minutes they need her help, modifying the throughput multiplier again and again until Timely takes a few steps out and then turns to spaghetti. Loki goes to R&A, to speed them through introductions and walk through the plan with the model. But Obi needs time to adapt his multiplier to Timely's device. Loki cuts to the chase and asks Obi, how long would it take to learn everything he knows about mechanics, physics, and engineering, assuming he doesn't know much, but he's a fast learner and a god. While Obi prefers he and Casey work alone, Loki insists. Obi says decades and timely centuries. Loki pauses to consider the magnitude of the statement. And we get the card saying that centuries have gone by. Loki having a new sense of purpose with his advanced uh, mechanical skills, engineering skills, science skills, and so forth. We return to the scene in which Timely is going to have his aura scanned. Uh, indeed, things are unlocked. The temporal storm remains terrible. Timely needs to get suited, run down, uh, put the multiplier into place, press the green button, watch for the trip hazards. Don't put the multiplier down. It will roll off. All the mistakes that we haven't seen Timely make uh, are herein recapped. Loki also technobabbles uh, all of the science needed to handle those expanding rings it is dumbing here dumbing 
down for the scientists where Tom Hiddleston really shines with the rapid fire delivery. Uh, and, and then just kind of the, Hey, I'm going to talk to these dullards here, the superiority. <laughs> uh, from that highest high of conversation there, we have Mobius looking on what the, what the S are you doing? Uh, we, we, the camera, go downstairs where Timely is ready, his helmet, uh, helmet latched properly. For Timely, this seems a bit uh, rushed, but is this the point of success? The sirens sound and the doors open, a slowing of pace, drawing our attention to everything that's going on here. Timely is slowed by the radiation, but not turned into spaghetti. Maybe this is going to be it. Timely labors with each step. So brave, so brave. He's doing well. Fantastic, even. He appears to be about a third of the way. Again, the pace to the whole scene has slowed here. Loki is pleased. Uh, but then Timely is there at the end of the gangplank. One more step. No, no, no. Don't put down that multiplier. Uh, it can roll. Timely catches it, loads it up. Uh, this is a thrilling masterclass in slow pace here. Mobius is us. Come on, you can do it. Uh, and indeed, the multiplier is placed. It's in all the way. The mechanism turned around, pressed the button. Uh, Loki encouraging him to press the button. Timely does. Nothing happens. He, he has to hit it again. It is sticky. He does hit it again. The multiplier fires, landing in the loom. Success. Loki calls him back quickly. Victor labors back. Go, go, go. Such happiness. Victor is back inside. Applause, applause as the door closes. Is it going to close all the way? It does. Pumpkins, Pete. Pumpkins. Hopping over the threshold there. Uh, Loki hasn't seen this yet and is emotionally overcome. Because uh, it's going to work this time. Um, and everybody breaks into applause. OB noting it is working and Casey reads the loom is stabilizing and Loki shows a still smoking timely his handiwork, but the computer chimes ominously and OB says the readings are off and it's overloading again. Loki is incredulous after all the effort centuries we've established to never get to this point but Obi says there's just too many branches. Timely says it's a scaling problem as the loom will never be able to accommodate an infinitely growing multiverse. He knows what phase he's in, Matt. As you cannot scale for infinity, only an infinity war, which he compares to trying to divide by zero. Sylvie says it was doomed to happen Timely slumps down and apologizes as the shockwave approaches. Sorry, just Sylvie swings in slow motion as Loki leaps in front of He Who Remains' desk in the past at the end of time. He time slips in again and implores her not to kill He Who Remains again because he's seen the results. She says he's been seduced by a throne, but he tells her that's the last thing he wants. Sylvie says if he wants to stop her, he'll have to kill her. And she stabs he who remains, who tells them 
you'll see them again soon, again and again. Loki time slips into the elevator ride up, and Sylvie tries to stab he who remains there. It keeps coming back to Loki's unwillingness to kill Sylvie to stop her. Loki asks he who remains why he doesn't try to fight back, and he pauses time and asks Loki how many times he's tried to change the outcome. He who remains knows about the slipping, which he is behind. Did he really think R.I.P. H.W.R.? Loki quotes T.S. Eliot, and he who remains tells him to go through it another thousand or so times to get his bearings, unpausing Sylvie, who stumbles. But Loki freezes her with a finger to tell he who remains this isn't the first time they've had this conversation, pulling up a chair. He who remains makes Sylvie disappear, asks how timely is, and about all the trouble with the loom. The outcome to the equation remains the same. Loki eyes a chalkboard and announces he'll change the equation. He who remains asks him to think about what will happen to his friends. He makes the tough choices, so he gets the big chair. Loki refuses and says he'll find another way. He who remains brings Sylvie back and tells him to make the difficult choice. Break the loom or kill her. It is reiterated here that the temporal loom is a fail-safe, that it will delete timelines that should not be there, preserving only the sacred timeline itself. So a sense of the walls closing in here. Yes, there will be the loss of the TVA. That's just collateral damage, easily replaced. Uh, it is also, uh, I don't want to quite say reiterated, but it, we kind of knew that there were Kang variants already out there. Uh, but that too, being part of the mix, is mentioned here. Uh, the overall idea that the outcome always remains the same. Loki loses. Um, Loki seems to know that. Hear the music turning a little bit as the emotions turn as well. Uh, Loki, as you said, Pete, wants to change that equation. Uh, we are reminded. It, Pete, this did not feel like a reminder scene. It's just in the recap of the notes here. We've had the Loom situation recap, Kang variants out there. He who remains also... Uh, noting the risk of the brutal war that can take everything. Uh, so kudos script for hiding what I think was a very, very good job uh, of hiding the fact that this scene is about recapping all our kind of major threats that move through this episode, but but are greater than this episode in and of itself. So uh, I'm a bit surprised to have discovered this uh, on, on not the first time reflecting on this scene. Or the thousandth. Mobius asks Loki what he's going to do, and he says finish what he started back in Time Theater 25. Claim his throne as he was born to rule. Loki time slips in then and knows what Mobius is going uh, to do because he got a hold of the set list and asks how he's doing it. Loki asks Mobius for his help in choosing who lives and dies. Mobius tells him there's no comfort at the TVA and relays a story about some hunters who went on a mission 
after a variant near the Black Sea who was going to cause 5,000 deaths. But the variant was an eight-year-old boy swimming with his brother, jumping off a dock. One of those hunters who had never hesitated did. His partner, however, stepped in. But things had changed all because that other hunter lost sight of the big picture. Mobius tells Loki, uh, most purpose is more burden than glory. Loki asks him how he lives with it, and Mobius admits he's built up metaphorical scar tissue. Loki asks about his partner who pruned the little boy when Mobius couldn't, and he says things worked out fine for her becoming a judge. Mobius says he must choose his burden, and Loki thanks him standing up to shake his hand as he spit at Fox. Moments before that, Loki in tears also continued excellent camera work as the camera moves in for, for close-ups on both men here. With that spaghettification, Loki is left in the black void thinking about his crew's loss in the prior episode. And indeed, in that moment, as the spaghettification is about to get Sylvie, Loki stops it. Uh, he reveals that he has uh, taken them outside of time. Uh, he has, of course, learned to control the time slipping. He couldn't fix the loom, that fail-safe to protect the sacred timeline. Now it is Sylvie who realizes that she has contributed to this. Uh, she can't kill he who remains. Uh, and... She's not going to give him a blessing, however, to give Loki a blessing to, to undo all of this. Uh, will Loki take away free will in order to preserve the sacred timeline? Sylvie says that's not a good deal. Uh, for Loki, what is free will worth if everyone is dead? Uh, he is accused of replacing one nightmare with another, uh, but she advocates for destroying something. Uh, Loki tacks on that uh, it's better to have hope than to replace it with something worse. And with that, he slips away. He takes a deep breath and goes back to the TVA as Timely scans his aura and looks around at his friends before descending the stairs in his uh, Mr. Spock moment, shall we say, Matt. Star Trek II style. Sylvia and Mobius follow him and he locks them out. Loki turns around tearfully to tell them he knows what he wants and what kind of god he needs to be for them. Uh, for everyone. He smiles and uses his power to open the door and walk out into the temporal radiation Sylvie tells Mobius she needs to get out there and runs back up the stairs. Loki's clothes tear away, and suddenly he has a cape, a simple green tunic, and a headband that grows horns reminiscent of kid Loki. He uses his power, screams, and destroys the loom, threads of time scattering as his friends are engulfed in shadow as they watch and his horns are made of the same kintsugi 
like pattern we have seen at the end of time. He grabs a branch and it flashes with green energy. Obi says the branches are dying. Loki grabs another and another, pulsing them with power to open a rift to the end of time. As Sylvie looks on tearfully, he steps off the broken gangway in his loafers, up invisible steps, pulling all the branches through and disappearing Sylvie telling the others he's given them a chance. We cut to black and then see the green power, the green energy, the green magic perhaps, continuing to spread as Loki continues to walk up. He makes his way toward the end of time, slowly up the steps, dragging the branches with him to the chair, a chair that slowly grows gold uh, into a, a throne, one might say. Loki uh, continues to pull the branches around him and sits, the branches seemingly flowing through him. He brings his hands together, energizing them all with his magic. Now one giant enmeshment existing through him, uh, a tree, a tree of life, and uh, Loki there as its guard. We fade to black and we return in the after. The TVA now bears signage with the time tree, Yggdrasil, um, and the message about growing together as they nurture their nature. Uh, as B-15 steps out into the TVA bullpen, where the monitor now bears the same tree-like image of the branches. Uh, she praises analysts and offers support Obi and Casey revive Miss Minutes as she checks on them, asking if they're sure she won't try to kill them all. Obi shrugs. She asks if Casey is headed to the war room and if he'd let them know she'll be up in a moment. He'll do her one better and save her a seat. B-15 finds Mobius at his desk with reports on the variant of he who remains. None of them know they exist yet. The risk report threat identification has a grainy black and white image of Kang, and Mobius explains that one caused a little bit of a ruckus on 616 adjacent realm. That would be the quantum realm, but they handled it. So there all good for now a bit later mobius sees b15 outside the timekeeper's mural uh, it is a reminder uh, that those who don't re do not remember the past are you know but when they get in there mobius is going to leave he wonders will anyone miss a tired old analyst with a heart of gold owen wilson gold gold some people will of course miss him he needs to see what he's been protecting for all this time. B-15 says that she will leave open a seat for him, uh, but it's B-15 who is needed there. Is Mobius scared? He says he is, and they separate. In the war room, there's a hive of activity, a serene synth playing for we, the viewers. It is clearly a place of cooperation. In his workroom, OB has a new 
yellow-hued TVA handbook and looks at it. Written by... Written by who, Pete? Him and Victor Timely. Look at that. Sharing authorship. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, We briefly go to Chicago, 1868, where young He Who Remains, young Victor Timely, had been given a handbook. Here we see nothing is left on the sill. Elsewhere, Renslayer, still in her old-timey garb, awakens... Uh, looking up at a pyramid. Uh, a void. I- indeed, having been pruned when last we saw her. Um, there's a partial TVA logo under her uh, by the weeds. And then Pete, it's the old prune monster coming back from last season, though. Unseen here, because Pete, why? Why overtax those VFX people? Give them their... Nine to five and some time with the old fam. My notes say, Eliath shrieks and his purple energy reflects off her face. Conveniently. At Don's house, we see Don Mobius, the happy dad of two crazy sons. All right, they're going to pause this ruckus, head on inside for dinner. More TVA Mobius looking on from afar. Sylvie joins him, noting that the yard needs a bit of work. Uh, Mobius saying, no, it's it's perfect. Uh, Sylvie feels that it's weird that Loki is not there. With that, it's the time for parting. Sylvie will see Mobius around. She's headed to Shrug, uh, <laughs> and which is just a writing choice. Um, Mobius is going to wait here for a bit and just let time pass. And uh, Pete, though not entirely done with the episode... That's a wrap on these two characters. For she now. leaves through a time door. He stands there for an extended moment before through the branches of green hued time. Loki looks on better sweetly for a beat before the title card. A title card with Again, some of Natalie Holt's best music. I had wondered what shall remain after the photo credits. Disney Plus did not shrink and did not suggest the next thing. And I said, oh, that means there's something to come in. I sat through the VFX credits, the music, the special thanks, the tax credit, the language <laughs> credits, Virusa in Limbs Romana, Slovens Ken Versus, Turkey Slendiga. And then, Pete, it was over. Wow, let's blow some minds with some theories. Pete, is this episode talking to itself? This idea of a scaling problem, is this a metaphor for the MCU being unable to handle the volume of work required by Disney Plus? I, I don't think it's quite that meta intentionally. Ironically, it would seem to cut off that way. Um, similarly, no... Uh, Loki will return for season three. We have heard from head writer, uh, had this uh, continued to go forward, Matt, could be uh, anointed showrunner, now a formal designation, thanks uh, labor movements and strikes. 
um, for the, the writers guild going forward, uh, that, uh, there may be more, we'll see, but it seems like this show, this series is probably over and some comments from, uh, Tom Hiddleston suggestive of that as well on, uh, Jimmy Fallon. He said, you know, it was 14 years of his life. It's a six movies. It's two seasons. Uh, you got two episodes, uh, beginning and end book ended with the same title. This really kind of seems to be it. And Matt, if they're going to leave this character, if he's going to leave this character, of course, the show always, the stories always continue in our hearts. Like we, you know, talk about on the podcast all the time, particularly you, Matt, but, uh, would seem to be the place where it ends for him, where he gets off this ride. And if that is as the plan stands now, I will say that the closing minutes of this episode left me dissatisfied. Um, I'm okay with say otherwise. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm okay with where we have left off with Loki. And if we never return to Loki, I get it. He's now once again a timeless god doing timeless god things and so forth. And I fully appreciate the story arc of from a baddie to a goodie and all of that. From selfish to selfless. Totally get it. Um, But to have Sylvie head to Shrugs and Mobius is going to stand here for Shrugs. um, These are supporting characters a, who I think deserve better, B, who I think would have been well served by, you know, if the plan is to continue, and Pete, I know we're talking theories, uh, coming in May, nope, coming in whenever Deadpool 3 comes out. A July, little bird. scheduled right now, re- rescheduled this week, um, along with the two other movies scheduled for next year, moving to 25. Which... Perhaps it, when we discuss the Marvels, or p- perhaps now, I don't know. I don't know when in the time stream we'd like to talk about those schedule changes, but I think those schedule changes are pretty disastrous. They are realistically what needs to be done. They are a consequence of the strike. They are a consequence of the studios not settling sooner, but I think it spells some pretty disastrous things for Marvel and for Disney. Um, so how's that for a little sizzle? But even if... We know, even if Disney knows, some of our beloved TVA people will show up in the next Marvel movie coming out after the Marvels, um, then give us a sense of it. Give us the to be continued of it here. Um, I don't, I feel like they did not resolve things with Sylvie nor Mobius and I, that's where I take off my most points. You're right, Pete. The story always continues. And meanwhile, back at the TVA, you know, there's B-15 and Casey and the whole crew running things cooperatively. And if we never return to them, guess what? We know there they are happily working together and so forth. But we, we didn't we didn't get a conclusion for the two characters that I think are most meant to be proxies of the audience. If we were in every person in the TVA, we would be Mobius. If we were, uh, you know, furtive gods, we would be like Sylvie and neither gets a resolution 
you got the Hollywood version of that with Mobius. He had the the pensive moment there for so long he resisted seeing himself where he came from on the timeline he's going to check out what they've been protecting um really like the way that they leave him there and that loki is is watching them both could i have asked a little bit more for sophia de martino's sylvie i could have i get the suspicion they're not done with her um i don't know that mobius turns up when the tba does next i think it's more of a lowercase tva than anything else it's more of a plot construction um but we'll have to see these are popular characters i mean you you can't expect hiddleston to do this forever he is rightly a contender for james bond I think he's looking into pursuing that as opposed to other things. But, I mean, he was 29 years old when he was cast. He's 43 now. Um, to have, you know, the the interaction he's had with Avengers and then to get this second life, literally, for the character with the bounce out of uh, Endgame and to get the most TV one series has ever had out of Marvel Studios in the advent of streaming slowdown and, and now post strikes where things are at their muddiest. And I think there may be even more contraction than we've seen before. Um, this is maybe about as good a resolution as you could have hoped for with this character and a way that you leave him on there that, all right, he wants to don the horns again. He can certainly come back. Matt, for all the doom and gloom, and last week we talked about the Variety article, is Marvel in trouble? Uh, And the quote, the unattributed quote Boy, they're really in trouble the way they leave uh, uh, Kang in the Loki finale. Uh, what? A couple of thoughts. First, I don't want to hear out of this show's producers, out of this show's studio, out of this show's executives. I don't want to hear, well, we had some ideas for tweaks, but... The writers only came out of their strike uh, a month ago, and even if they did write some better stuff, we couldn't even get any of these actors in to even do voiceover. Uh, uh, that's not my my problem. Is not that this show came out during a strike. So, so the moment that someone from the executive level says that, I would recommend, as you know, as an audience member, dismiss that as baloney. Because if they felt that strongly about whether it's anything from the Jonathan Majors issue as a PR concern all the way to, oh my goodness, while walking through the park, somebody just thought 
Loki's final line should be, and then insert the thing that would have made us all cry or whatever it might be. Oh, but we couldn't, we, we, we couldn't do that because of one strike or two strikes. That's not my problem as an end, end of the line consumer here. Now, on the topic of Kang and majors in this episode, I think that I w- so I've just gotten off my soapbox, Pete, of saying, don't tell me that you made changes because of the strike uh, or you couldn't have made changes you wanted to. I would be interested to hear if changes were made to this episode compared to what anonymous studio executives said and so forth. I think that in a world where we are not uh, discussing, where we are not concerned about Jonathan Majors being abusive uh, to a woman, is there a version of this episode where you get more of that Quantumania wall of Kang's sizzle? Now, don't get me wrong, Pete. Also, as as an end-of-the-line user here, end-of-the-line customer... Uh, who is aware of what's going on in the world and who is troubled by these allegations and so forth. Um, I did not need a whole sizzle of, and here's Kang dressed this way, and here's Kang dressed that way, and here's how it's so funny, fun, 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 because, you know, fine. Um, I I would be curious if there's stuff on the cutting room floor in that regard to say, really get excited for Kang v. Avengers coming to a theater, you know, in the next couple years. Um in terms of the body for what was shown in this episode, you know, we were discussing last week how, how both of us and, and, and I'll highlight that again for myself watching last week's episode with no Jonathan majors, trying to say what's the right thing to do here and and searching my feelings for all that. I think that this episode weirdly benefited from like it's new footage, but it's, it's that rerun time loop Groundhog Day stuff. And if that's a baloney out on my part, so be it. I think this guy is probably going to get everything that, that he has coming to him in the real world. Um, and I don't think this episode makes that much difference one way or the other. But I, I also don't think, oh man, everything is now screwed because Jonathan Majors was in this episode. I think this is going to come and go his participation in this episode is going to come and go. Um, at least, again, the episode that we got, I'm listening to hear, was there maybe a different version that had even more, had more sizzle, or or there's your there's your 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 secret scene and so forth. It sounds like sour grapes, anti Marvel stuff. Nothing that we saw indicates they're in trouble over this. And again, the nature of the character, you need to change the look, you need to change a performer, you can do all of that, even more so than you normally can to go to John Cheadle or to, you know, uh, the uh, other Cassie Lang that we'll talk a little bit more about in the future. Um, I guess the question we have to ask and again, that writing has only resumed in the last couple weeks, is Kang out? Um, if I'm Marvel Studios and I just got my writers back three, four weeks ago, um, you know, that, that spot at Marvel Studios, which probably is 
all of Marvel Studios HQ in the animation building at, at Disney headquarters. Uh, you know, where it's like, no cell phones, no this, no that, secret, secret, secret. Yeah, I'm probably saying, uh, yeah, you start getting me some drafts here on how it's not Kang. You start getting me some drafts on how to explain how it is Kang, but it's a different face. How it's Lady Kang, how it's the, whatever it is. Um, I, I, I think those are options, and I, I think that if you were... Um, if you were neutral Disney PR in the summer saying perhaps they don't go to trial because of how the landscape looks in June, July, August, maybe there's nothing, maybe there's whatever there, there's, there's smoke, there's fire. And, and yeah, we might not get, we might not get the outcome that they have been planning for, for a while. They Marvel, they, the movies. So, we're left with the image of Yggdrasil again. We've seen this going back to the, uh, you know, Thor movie and then into the original Captain America. Um, obviously, that's a, a Norse idea. We're tying this deeply to uh, Loki and to Asgard. Um, but we've seen it. You've seen it, Matt, recently on a movie screen and then again maybe on Netflix in the last 10 days. Uh, what's that, the multiverse? Uh, yeah, shaped like a tree in uh, across the Spider-Verse. I do think that there are some very tempting... Um... Look, we all know the Spider-Man situation, right? Spider-Man Sony, Spider-Man Marvel Studios... The, these animated films not I guess Marvel is playing a role but it's not the co-role that it is for the live action movies you know all of that we're all aware of that situation um theoretically there's a meta 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 all-encompassing thing that could allow everything's going on in Spider-Verse and everything's going on in whatever you want to call it the MCU multiverse there's kind of an outer shell that, that could could contain all of them. And look, Pete, I'm reminded of this. If Marvel is down but not out right now, whether it's... You know, I think we both liked this episode well enough. I have some quibbles with how it how, how it ended, but they did a nice job. Um, question marks for Jonathan Majors. Question marks for the state of Marvel movies looking at the, you know, the, the treacherous box office for the Marvels. You know, so some question marks here and there. Reminds me of the question marks that Sony had once upon a time with the hack and the comments and so on and so forth. So if we get out of this in X number of years, you know, you know, if we get Spider-Verse and MCU colliding, if we get Miles Morales, live action, like all of those things, you know, creative problems, creative solutions, maybe there's some good to come out of some of these troubles. Renslayer and Mobius revealed in this episode having been partners, and then we see where we leave her, um, you know, and, and tied to Kang. If he's not out, she remains within reach and somebody perhaps we could see more of. It's, it's the question marks that this episode leaves that don't sit well with me. And I know 
people can rightly say, but Marvel's done that 18,000 times before. How is it this? How is it different this time? I think the answer is because in the past it was like, but we're headed towards this big Thanos thing. Like there, there, there was an end point in sight. And if the criticism of this Disney plus era of expansive growth um, which side note, I mean, Pete, I said it as a joke, is this episode talking about the scaling problem of Disney plus, but you know, sometimes the universe gives you answers that you didn't even necessarily go looking for. It has been a scaling problem and part of it has been. So therefore, what do any of these shows mean if they don't count towards the big thing or something like, like how do they count the conclusions here for Renslayer, for Mobius, for Sylvie, how do they count moving forward? The fact that the show says, eh, and not Mobius now goes to live in his regular timeline. Okay, that's an ending point from which you can still pluck him. Or where did Sylvie go? I, I don't know. I guess McDonald's? Um, so, Has did she o- had a break today? <laughs> Ditto for Renslayer. You know, great character. You You referencing that scene, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of... Um, fat on the meat for these six episodes. I wouldn't have minded, here's the Renslayer Mobius flashback shot on film as opposed to told at the table. Even if it was just, I feel like it would be easy enough to be like, if it was just shot of Mobius shaking his head no, and shot of Renslayer clenching her jaw, and raising her sword, and then stabbing to, to off camera. Like, Where's that little extra bit of effort? I get it. It's because there was a big old Loki train that was hurtling down the track and you had to land this show and you had to land your other things and so forth. But just that little that little extra bit, I would have appreciated. This ruckus on 616 adjacent, obviously a reference to the quantum realm. Um, so it would seem that the events of quantum mania now right you've got the grainy image of of kang um we know that we have all these other kangs are they aware of us not yet we know there's more tva coming um so yeah seems to be pushing things forward for the future i don't mean to continue to be the naysayer but the de-kangification in that last little bit. I guess they're out there, but or they're out there, but I guess they don't know about us and so forth. Again, I'm not saying that the Jonathan Major situation that there that, that it brings any positive answers, but I just look, there's a lot that there's a lot that went wrong with Quantumania, but I think of that sense of panic at the end where it all I mean it felt like a panic attack watching it I mean that as a compliment um where it's just like oh but what if like you know there's just that end there where it's all it's all rushing in on him and and, you know Kang is coming boom 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 and then here it's kind of like oh I guess whatever there's there was a guy and it was a thing but it was no big deal now if that's because in the summer before the actors strike you were uh recording dialogue for as a fail safe to sit and go all right if we need to kind of demajors this thing this is the place to start to do it i'm not saying that's a bad real world conclusion i'm just trying to find i don't i don't know what i'm trying to find i'm trying i guess i'm trying to find the truth of the story 
which is difficult given all the real world stuff that's going on with with some of these actors with the property with the studios with the corporate and, and all of that time to hear what you think to twitter we go where people could rate this episode one poop emoji all is lost got zero percent two jokers jokers story 4.8 percent three princes princely outing 11.1 percent four crowns all hail 84.1 percent some replies on twitter first james is sagacious big killing on twitter nice tidy ending i hope we haven't seen the last of these characters uh noel gardner at noel camille pete our major noel gardner says this was an amazing ending to this show it began and ended with glorious purpose this is peak storytelling for a character that has made a full arc from villain to hero the writers directors and crew all did a phenomenal job does this mean loki controls all of time so pete i'll put that question to you does he control it or just oversee it i think the implication is both i really do and you know does having him there allow kang then to stir up trouble not needing to manage that um we know he who remains is is dead uh yeah i think it completely kicks open the door for that we hear from pumpkin spice has no pumpkin at kclyle1 if we never see loki again i could pretty much be happy with his mcu arc but of course i'd love to see him again amazing finale all the marvel haters can suck it entertaining thoughtful (laughs) and those last mobius scenes just get you in the feels fantastic Next, we hear from Steve Thurberge, who says, yes, yes, and again I say to thee, yes, just a fantastic story. Loki's purpose became his burden. He's giving us time, serves two meanings, both with story clock, MCU movies, and the real world. Next, we hear from Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. Loki had the perfect redemption arc. This finale was perfect visually and in execution he sacrificed everything for his friends and is now the god of stories sitting on a throne it's not the throne he wanted but the throne he had been made for all along perfect ending also i saw someone ask the question is this the reason why the time stone is green makes perfect sense if loki is sitting on the throne at the end of time now uh that's a good question and a good catch there from andre it is i love the idea that people have floated uh about that so that's that's great next up diana bodenberg who says the finale was amazing i love that loki became the tree of life irgisil the shot of it was gorgeous the fact that it was the very first episode and the last episode they had the same name very cool another ouroboros Uh, sad though that it's likely the last of the show maybe a loki movie in the future i'd love a movie about the god of stories Tom Hiddleston can't retire as Loki. It may break the multiverse. Um, Next, we hear from Nang Baby. I have mixed views. On the one hand, I get the parallels to his brother, much like how Thor ascended in Thor Ragnarok. On the other hand, it did seem kind of cheap for Loki to just be able uh, to do that. And uh, it is sad that this Loki could never reconnect with his family. After all, this isn't the same Loki that underwent massive character development in the MCU, but still 2012 Loki who hadn't yet hit rock bottom. 
Plus, aside from Mobius and Sylvie, his relationship with his new family fell flat. Pete, I think that is overall fair criticism. I will I will say on the topic of whether this is the same Loki or not, yes, the facts are that this is the Loki pulled from 2012 and who had a different path. I do think that spiritually, authorially, when he watched previously on Marvel's Cinematic Universe uh, back in the first or second episode of the series and had that change, I think that was meant... I think we, the audience, are meant to say, look, it's our Loki again. It's the Loki that we lost. Again, I'm not disagreeing with the logic from Nang Baby. I'm just saying I think emotionally it's a uh, emotionally it's a little bit different than the facts. You can't swing as big on TV as you could in the film. So the the moments he had, you know, losing his mother, losing his father, uh, faking his death several times, um, dying at the hands of Thanos, even there having seemingly redeemed himself. And like I said earlier, given this second shot, branching off uh, the original Avengers to go on this adventure, um, and then the knowledge of what would ultimately happen to him because of the nature of the TVA. I think he knew and loved these characters differently, uh, apart from, you know, the, the psychological study that is uh, seemingly falling in love with another version of yourself. That's a, that's a different ball of wax, but him and Mobius, man, they were, they were bros in the way that, he never was with Thor. Um, and I think there's a real sense of appreciation there. Um, if we never get him again, we at least had him here. And I, I think it was it was satisfying over the course of two seasons. Pete, next tweet comes from Acrostapoliptic Lincoln. That's at TessLC139, who says, uh, spelling out Yggdrasil here, you should know this show had a glorious purpose. What a great finale. Doubters don't realize how amazing Tom Hiddleston's star shines as the incomparable, time-bending Loki, god of stories. And then, Pete, Twitter tells me that there's a reply to that. And then it says, it might be offensive. And I said, show it to me anyway. And when I've clicked on it, there's nothing there. Sp- so uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, a.k.a. Acrostapolitic uh, Lincoln, if there's more to be said and the the Twitter monster has taken it, our apologies, because Pete can't see it either. And I think maybe it's proof that you don't fire most of your, uh, your engineers when you're a website. Yeah, it sounds like $44 billion well spent. <laughs> Next, Pete, we hear from at BikeBRH, who says, I reserve the right to change my mind after more thought, but for now, I think this is one of the few times that Marvel actually landed the plane in a finale without any flat tires or uh, parts falling off. At BikeBRH, I appreciate that metaphor, because that's what the Variety article said Kevin Feige was good at, landing the plane in an emergency. So we might agree or disagree, but uh, that's the metaphor. Uh, Pete, next tweet comes from uh, at Amerowitch. It says, as a pagan, I loved it. As a fangirl, my boy. <laughs> uh, next up, we hear from Neil Jacoby at That's Neil. That's going on the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
uh, at Neil R. Jacoby. Amazing episode might be up there as best episode. Here's to resetting the timeline after some disasters. Cough, cough, secret invasion. Uh, next, we hear from Jordan, who remains a Marvel. That's at the Mighty Jor. Uh, wasn't this the perfect conclusion to Loki's arc? The first time we see Loki and Thor, Odin tells them, only one of you can ascend to the throne, but both of you were born to be kings. Loki finally gets his throne, but a much more selfless one than he uh, once sought before. In the episode, he tells Moby and Sylvie, for you, for all of us, the same words he told Odin as he hung from the Rainbow Bridge in Thor. His costume was amazing and overdue. His weaving together the streams into a tree was so Norse, which I loved. Uh, it's so perfect. I'm just left feeling a little sad at his fate, still wishing we could see him reunite with his brother. And uh, adding a lovely picture here of Loki sitting on that throne. Last tweet, at least from what we can see, because they're there appears to be further bugs on the Twitter website today. We are from uh, Fael at Ready for Spooky Season. Pumpkin emoji, death emoji, which is, say, at Fael. I liked it and didn't see it coming. I just hate that Loki and Mobius both were alone at the end, loving the god of stories, though. Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? On Facebook, Matt Robert T. Frost writes in simply episode 206, that had to be the most melancholy ending in Marvel MCU history. Maybe it's the melancholy cinematic universe. Who knows? Anything else, Pete? On Blue Sky, Matt Jack NYC writes, had to take a day to gather my thoughts for the season finale of Loki. I did enjoy this episode as it was funny unexpected and emotionally sad but i'm not sure if it redeemed it enough for me also there are way too many things left unanswered similar to lost i would disagree on the lost connection there um but i i I, look i'm glad i'm not the only one who maybe wasn't blown away by this uh because pete we we welcome the variety of perspectives here um it is interesting that it took jack a little time to digest it i kind of felt i felt the same way the next day but i felt i needed to digest it to make sure i was feeling what i was feeling so if nothing else i think that's that's a home a hallmark to a big story when you kind of need to to sit with it Pete, to the email inbox we go, hearing from Ian Silverman, who says, I have to give major props to Matt, Pete, and many of the listeners out there. Thinking back to last week's podcast, I can't remember the last time I heard so many predictions about what will happen in the season finale that ended up being pretty much spot on. We had Groundhog Day-esque montages, more than one in fact, of them trying over and over to figure things out and get it right. Actually, centuries worth of trying, apparently. Poor Loki. We had a new TVA board of directors with many of our main characters from the series now playing prominent leadership roles. We had Mobius checking back in on his house, his kids, and his sea-doos. Beyond that, I have to say, the dialogue and acting in the scene between Tom Hiddleston and Jonathan Majors was top-notch, and the VFX when Loki destroyed the loom and then was pulling together the strands of time was pretty great as well. Certainly better than most of Quantumania, anyway. Wink emoji, says Ian. Wow. Um, he's not wrong. 
Biggest disappointment, says Ian, was that it didn't feel like there was much of a resolution to Sylvie's story. And while it was cool to see the void again, if only for a brief moment, I feel like overall there was a lot of untapped story potential when it comes to Renslayer's character. And lastly, I'll say that while, broadly speaking, it may have felt a tiny bit formulaic and predictable, I did really like how Loki's own story came full circle. For all his talk through the Thor, uh, throughout the Thor and Avengers movies about how he wanted slash deserved a throne, and keeping in mind that in terms of his own timeline, he's right in the middle of that when the show begins, it was pretty great that in the end he did in fact end up on one, probably with more power and significance than he could have previously imagined as always it's been a lot of fun going on this ride with you all thanks and stay fantastic that's from ian silverman in san diego california thank you ian this journey to time through time and beyond could not have happened without those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek pete we don't want gold thrones just enough for the threads of interwebs that connect my voice and yours to the places where these data files get stored to be able to get out to the other people. It's it's the branches. We got to keep the backlog up, and that's what you help us do. Apart from the fact you get to place your value on the podcast. So get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Uh, there's the free poll for Echo to vote in. Please partake in that. Uh, and maybe you see something that's worth a dollar or more a month. And Pete, let's keep the Marvel conversation going. Indeed, in two days' time on Marvel Monday, we'll be talking Marvel Studios, the Marvels, and its highs and lows uh, financially, story-wise, and so forth. So how can people be in touch with you to talk about the MCU? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on threads. You can find me on blue sky at Peter P I E T E R J K T L A R K E T E L A A R 12,600 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantastic.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are fantastic as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, like it today. We are back tomorrow to wrap season four of Lower Decks. We are back on Monday to talk to Marvels, and of course, back next Marvel Studios Saturday to wrap up the season and perhaps the series of Loki. So, with that, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. I wasted time, and now the time wastes me. 